Greetings in Jesus' name to everyone here this morning. Glad to see everyone here. Glad to see a few visitors. And uh, welcome to each one. Uh, glad we can meet in the presence of the Lord. I do uh, want to make a statement of apology. On Wednesday night, a week and a half ago, I feel like I muddied the water pretty bad on the, uh, on the hat issue for men when we started. And I want to apologize for that because there is a distinct difference between a religious... Uh, hat or religious covering and a a, a protection, weather protection. We see that with our sisters. They wear a religious covering. Uh, And and so it makes a a world of difference. And so I think it makes a world of difference for men when they wear a hat for uh, weather protection. That's fine. And and so I just want to make sure it's clear. I think we got there, but I think I muddied the water pretty bad to begin with, so I want to apologize for that. So uh, thank you for you being here. Thank you for your interest. This is a little different service, even though what the message the Lord laid on my heart, I think, would fit any Sunday morning. But it does pertain a little bit more to council meeting, which is what we're having here this morning, which is making sure that our lives and our hearts are... are uh, Clear before God, so we can commune with him worthily and enjoy that blessed time of communion. So it's a blessing that we can walk with God. It's a, it's a tremendous blessing, and, uh, and we want to treasure that. I think uh, it's, it's worth everything to us. So, uh, so, and God has given us aids to help us walk with him faithfully, and to own men, actually, and it's right, and it's what he wants us to do. I'd like us to start by looking at Acts 24, Acts 24, cutting at verse 14 <clears throat> through 16. And this I confess to you, that according to the way which was called a sect, I worship the God of my fathers, believing all things which are written in the law and the prophets. I have hope in God, which they themselves also accept, that there will be a resurrection of the dead, both of the just and the unjust. This being so, I myself always strive to have a conscience without offense toward God and men. This is Paul speaking here, and uh, he appeals to Caesar here, and it, it is interesting where he says, you know, I am known to be a man of the way. I like that thought. And this isn't the only place he said that. And I hope that we live in such a way that, that men, people can look at us and say, they're people of the way. <laughs> Christ, little Christians, Christians, you know. And he said, there's going to be some that, that call you names that don't understand. Uh, but even so... I'm going, I'm going to look at the Bible, and I'm going to strive by God's grace to do it, to, to live that way faithfully, irregardless of what people say or think. I want to be known as a, as a Christian, one that lives by the way. And, uh, and then it goes on to say, there's a result of that. I strive to have a conscience without offense toward God and man, a clear conscience before God. A, I think it's a priceless gift that God gives to mankind that walks carefully and openly before him. So the title message is living honestly before God. Because there's no other way to have clear conscience than to live honestly before God. And that's what he wants us to do. Uh, 
You know, this is a tremendous blessing, a tremendous testimony for us to have. You know, really, when we, when we follow God and he speaks to us, we, say, we call it conviction sometimes. You know, it's your conscience working too, I hope. If it's well trained, uh, it's it's working, and and so we feel we feel a little pricking. Okay, it says in the scripture we're pricked in our hearts. You know, when they run a conviction, well, you can call it the conscience moving and working and stirring within us, and and and, and people that love the Lord and want to do what's right when he speaks to us and our convictions speak to us our conscience speaks to us uh, they want to respond to that they, they, they want it to keep working pro- properly see actually you either have a good conscience or a bad one okay and it isn't called bad in the Bible I don't think any place but we'll look at what it is called and how that works you know I, I didn't really have to be told not to go to a store and steal things I have to be told, I knew that. You know why? We were born with a conscience. You knew better than just walk in a store, you know, when you were three or four and just grab things off the shelf. Well, hey, I like that candy bar, and you just go and eat it. And I, I really, I almost see things like that happen. I wonder where is their conscience nowadays. Uh, well, you know, we're, you're all born with a conscience. Uh, so we ask, uh, a person might ask, what is my conscience? Or uh, do I have one? Yeah, you were born with one. Does it work? Well, that's up to you. That's up to us. If, uh, I think it works, but whether <laughs> we are submitting to it and listening to it is another thing. And by definition, this is by man, of course. It's a God-given facility within every man that discerns, every person that discerns between right and wrong and encourages us to do right. I read another one in a Bible dictionary. It says the facility of the mind or inborn sense of right and wrong by which we judge the moral character of human conduct of human conduct it is common to all men now that's interesting to know because you know another thing even though children are children and they do some uh interesting or bad things naturally uh, on their own the fact is really i didn't have to be told too often i really not when i just blurted out and just chewed somebody's ear off and just you know got angry and everything i didn't have to be told that was wrong I felt wrong. You know what I mean? You, you feel bad when you do things like that. You know what? That's your conscience. And I, it's, just, it's just wonderful that we have a conscience. I tell you, it's a treasure to have a good conscience. If we're going to live in harmony with God and be able to answer the first question on your counsel card, do you have peace with God? Correctly. Yes. You're going to have to have a good conscience. You're going to have to. You cannot have a seared conscience, a defiled conscience, and all these biblical, a wicked conscience, and have peace with God. I just want to let you know it has everything to do with conscience. Uh, and uh, so it's a blessing. And, it, and we want to stay sensitive to a good, well-trained conscience. Uh, it's clear that that's what God wants every saint to have. And we get to, so we get to choose what is right. And we, we, we get the opportunity to choose that. Having a good conscience brings peace with God and joy into Christian living. In other words, I've heard it said, and very much true, to live under conviction affects your joy and affects your emotional stability. 
it's paralleled with a good conscience, okay? Because if you live honestly before God and you're obeying him, you're open to him in all things, you're, you're going to have peace with God and you'll have joy and it'll help your emotional stability. As is spoken of in 2 Corinthians 1 verse 12. Uh, and I'd like to read that this time. 2 Corinthians 1 verse 12 says, For our boasting is this, the testimony of our conscience, that we conducted ourselves in the, in the world in simplicity and godly sincerity, not with fleshly wisdom, but by the grace of God and more abundantly toward you. So here it says, it, it says, it's challenging us you know, to listen to our conscience. To be, uh, if our conscience is informed right, it'll lead us right. He conducted himself in this world, okay? He realized he was separate from this world. He wasn't getting coups from this world to say what to do. He said, in simplicity, in the simplicity of the gospel, and he wanted to live godly, sincere life of godliness. That was paramount. Sincere to be well, godly. And I tell you, it goes a long way of keeping a good conscience. Since I, was, I sincerely want to live godly. Uh, he was not going to say one thing and live another. He, uh, that isn't sincerity. It's easy to say uh, and put on a front when we're not really that way in our hearts. We've got to be careful. He was open. He wanted to live honestly before God. Then just a few chapters later, uh, he declared the way of living in, uh, in the Corinthian church in chapter 4, verse 2, where it says, But we have renounced the hidden things of shame, not walking in craftiness nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. Every man's conscience. Now, he was saying, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to cover up anything. When I say I'm living openly before, uh, in peace with God and man, I mean business here. I, I, I'm open. I, that's what I do in Monday night relates to that. That's what I do uh, when, I, when I have recreation on Friday night. Yep, I'm open. I, I, I am walking a holy life. I, I, I'm not covering up anything. I don't, and I'll tell you, it's not just between me and God. It's between you and me as brothers and sisters in the Lord. He said, read that. Very clear. To every man's conscience. It isn't just my way. It's our way. Okay? And there's a lot of, there's a lot of safety there. There's a lot of safety there. Because, you know, you get people just doing it their way. That can be pretty sad. That can be pretty sad. Well, it's easy for us to see that in somebody else. But, it, you know, how does it relate to me? Well, he's saying, look, that's why brotherhood is so important, to have a brotherhood conscience. And to, to be submissive and subjective, uh, compliant to the brotherhood spirit, it's, 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 it's the way to keep us from living deceitfully. And praise God, we can be that way. It's what God wants. He don't want us to live deceitfully because deceitful is sin. It sears our conscience. It's not what we want to be. Uh, a Christian does not want any form of, of deceit and hypocrisy in their life. They want evil. 
because they want they treasure that clear conscience. See, and so they you know they're not going. Well, I go to church on Sunday morning, and you know, and, and I help out in this club, yo yo, and I do this. I mean, I even I even um, do this and that. You fill in the blanks. You know, no. They don't have to say that because their whole life is being open before. They're living honestly before God and mankind. Uh, they don't mind the scrutiny of the brotherhood in their life. They don't mind. They, 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 in fact, they appreciate that. You know why? Because they have a conscience that's open before God and man. And they want to be honest and open to everyone. And that's the way to live a blessed life. You know, so what a blessing. That we have can have a clear conscience. And when I do want to bring in, because sometimes we do have a conscience that's, uh, that is struggling, or, and then we become under conviction. Okay, we call it under conviction. But I praise God, we can get out from under conviction, we can repent. We can ask God for forgiveness, okay? So, you know, if you're if you're struggling with, you know, maybe there's relationships. And I, and I think sometimes we focus on relationships, but then sometimes I think we don't do too good at, at keeping up good relationships, maybe. You know, maybe when's the last time you blurted out something that was offensive to somebody, hurtful? And you said, well, they just need to be tough. I need to get over it. Well, maybe I need to get over it. Maybe I need to get over my problem. You know what I mean? Because sharp tongues is not a, it is something that brings a conscience will work against and God cares about those things. And he wants us to respond. We can be forgiven of that. We can ask God to forgive us. We can ask them uh, to forgive us. And that's what God wants us to be. We must be open before God and the brotherhood. And what a blessing that we can be. Because we don't want to be, uh, we want to be honest and open before God. First Timothy 4 verses 1 and 2 also speaks to this. Well, this is starting to get to be what happens sometimes to our conscience when we don't heed the Spirit's call. We don't heed its working in our talk, speaking to us. First Timothy 4, verses 1 2. Now, the Spirit expressly speaks that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, having giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. Speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with a hot iron. Now, this would not be a good option. But I don't know how you felt, but I know, I think all of us can remember the time when our conscience, the Holy Spirit, or our conscience spoke to us. We weren't too quick to respond sometimes. You know what I mean? Well, there's a bad thing going on here. Now, it's interesting to notice that in that very scenario... It speaks of that we're given in to deceiving spirits and also doctrines of devils, okay? This is no minor thing. I just want to couch it. Crouch it in the right setting. This is no, we wouldn't do that for the life of us. But we might not listen to our conscience. You know what I mean? I'm just telling you, this is a battle line here. And it's, it's also filled with hypocrisy. Then we start living in hypocrisy. Our own conscience seared with a hot iron. Now, I hope none of you have ever done that. And we don't want to do that. But you know what seared means? It means, if I can find it here, to make hard or unfeeling. It's like being branded, okay? You probably don't brand your animals, probably. We don't in general, but, but we, uh, I have, we have uh, 
we do some form of branding on the farm still. And you might, you might know about this. We, uh, when we dehorn calves, we brand around that horn, okay? That was with a hot iron. Uh, do, you, do you do that, Wesley? Yeah, he brands them too. And you know what it does? <clears throat> I'll tell you what it does. It kills all the blood veins going to that horn, and that horn does not grow. And, and the good thing is, I mean, the truth of the matter is, once you do that, it kind of hurts during the process. They don't feel a thing. Their nerves are toasted. Their nerves are shot in that area. It's, it's just going words. I, as I looked it up here, it was interesting to notice it means to render unsensitive. Hmm. So that means when I don't listen to the whole uh, the spirit speaking and my conscience speaking to me, I render it unsensitive. That's true. Now you you remember the illustration, probably, of that triangle, that sharp tri- triangle, three-sided thing called your conscience, and it has sharp corners. Triangles have three corners. It could have ten, as far as I'm concerned, but they're sharp corners. And when and when you do something, boy, you you know that wasn't the best thing to do, and. Well, you snuck. He didn't get caught, and and all, whatever the devil gives to you, make you feel good, and, uh, and 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 you know. But you know, deep down, that wasn't the way you shouldn't do. It. I mean, you may have got by, but you're not living honestly before God. Yeah, that's far cry. But you know, that ain't what you're worried about right now. Right now, you didn't get caught, and the conscience is turning, and you feel a little pricking in here, and you should. That's a good conscience. That's what it's doing. But every time. That a person says no to their conscience, and the Holy Spirit speaking, they nub off that corner some. They nub it off. You know what I mean? It gets a little bit. It's not near sharp. Hopefully you haven't felt that, but it can happen. And then you know why? The next time they do that, it's a little easier. You walk that path? That's a fact. And you know what? The next time, it gets a lot easier. And all of a sudden, covering up and lying about it becomes easy. You know why? Their, their conscience, it was supposed to be a triangle, just like a round ball. It's spinning and working, and it's just nothing happening. It's unsensitive. It's a seared conscience. And the only way to keep from getting there is to respond positively to the first turn, Okay? Praise God, we can be a, when it starts speaking to you, say, yes, Lord, you're right. I, I, forgive me. You know, uh, I tell you, it's easy to get there. Deceived, being deceived. You know, it, it, it's, it's something we need to remember. There's a fifth question on your counsel card that goes something like this. It says, are you willing to support the rules and discipline of the Southeastern Mennonite Conference? That doesn't mean do you think they're good for somebody else or you think they're good to do. It means am I willing to do them? Now, just, can I translate that in 20,019 English, okay? That means am I willing to do them? Because really, how can, you say, how can we say we support something and not do them? You know, how can we do that? Okay? We want to respond to the questions honestly. Okay? And so, there, there's a number of things in there that I've heard you say. 
And I'll have to admit there's some in there that I'll have to say that I don't always see the, the bigger value. I don't always see it. I don't always see it. I don't have to see the bigger value, okay? Because my fellow brother in the past have seen things that I don't see and that you don't see, okay? That we don't see. Can I just put this together? And they, they say, this is going to help me walk before God in a holy manner. I thank God for that, okay? You know, if you wrote the rules and discipline, it would probably be this way. No, let's put me. If I wrote the rules and discipline, because I'm going to get, put this in bad light, I would write this and I would have some real strong points. And man, you'd like them if you, if you liked what I like. And, you know, but you'd see some weaknesses. I, I'm sure you, you'd see some weaknesses. And you know what? That would bother you if those were your strong points. See the problem? So we have a brotherhood agreement. It's called the standards of our conference. It's a brotherhood agreement. And we, we chose to voluntarily join the church. We, we said we're going to support it. And, you know, all I say is let's don't sear our conscience by what we write on this card. Okay? I encourage you, support it. Be at peace with God. Be at peace with your fellow men. Yes, care about those issues. And, and, and want to do what is right and support that standard. It is for our good. I thank God that the forefathers uh, seen these things as wise. And I thank God that even though I don't always understand everything, I can be wise enough to comply and be a blessing to the brotherhood and to the kingdom of God. Uh, it, it's a real tremendous opportunity we have to support uh, the standards of the brotherhood. And so, because... We want a sensitive conscience. We don't want to sear our conscience. And we want it to be related, uh, based on the Bible. That's critically important. So, for us that like the fish, <clears throat> I understand in the state of Virginia, you're only supposed to catch the krill limit is only six. Now, generally, it's not a problem for me because I'm fortunate if I catch two or three when it comes to trout. But anyhow, if I have a good day, sometimes I do every now and then get close to six. And you know what? Um, hmm. I have a neighbor. He enjoys catching whatever the, whatever the Lord blesses him with. Uh, well, is that his option? You know? I remember a man one time fishing back there. They said the fishing were biting pretty good one day. And so he, him and his buddy, him and his cousin or something, that was his nephew, I think it was, they, they caught a few number, and they come out the lane, and here they saw a game warden coming. And this is what you got to do if you're cheating. You know, he, he told the boy, you know, jump down over the bank with them fish, you know, and jump down. He was hiding, and he walked there and came and said, how many kids were saying, Sierra, I got these six. Well, you know, he, make a long story short, he found the boy, and they had caught 72 trout that afternoon. I, that just, I can't fathom that. He caught 72 trout that afternoon. And let me tell you, he made the headlines of the recorder. They said, that's what he, I didn't see him, that's what he, and he deserved it. He was embarrassed and terribly. Um, searing your conscience. Searing your conscience. Sometimes I get around some people that don't know how to read 5-5. Five, five. Double 5 means 55. You know that? And some people just, well, whatever, they just drive down the road about whatever, straight, and friends, that's how you sear your conscience. That is searing your conscience. We can't just drive down the road whatever we want to do. 
Now you think, well, that's being nitpicky. Well, let's read the word. Let's go to Romans 13. Romans 13 plainly speaks about this. Where it says, let every soul be subject to the governing authorities. That means they do what it's saying. We, we want to have a conscience clear, living honestly before God and man. For there is no authority except from God, and the authorities that exist are appointed by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authority resists the ordinance of God, and those who resist this will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers are not a terror to good works. Aren't you glad when the policeman didn't see you do that? They're not a terror of good works. I've heard that uh, said before. But to evil. Do you want to be... Do you want to be afraid of the authority? Do what is good, and you will have praise of the same. Live openly. Going on, verse 4. For he is God's minister to you for good. But if you do evil, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is God's minister and avenger to execute wrath on those who practice evil. Therefore, you must be subject not only because of their punishment that will catch you, but also for conscience' sake. And because of this, you also pay taxes, for they are God's ministers uh, uh, attending continually to this very thing. Render, therefore, to all that is due, taxes to whom taxes are due, custom to whom customs, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. So that's why we cheerfully pay our taxes. Did you hear the words? <laughs> I know I've heard people grumble and everything, and I had a good father in many, many years. One of them say, thank God you need to pay taxes. It means you made some money. You know what I mean? And that beats not paying taxes. But even worse yet, not paying taxes, and you should have paid them. And some people do that. Some people will work with cash, and they'll do everything ethical and unethical. And I've heard a good quotes otherwise and conservative Anabaptist people going to unethical, which means unjustifiable before God, in my opinion, to to get out of taxes. I thought we were just passing through. I thought our treasures are laid up in heaven. Yes, we don't try to beat the government out of money. Now, I know there is proper loopholes that are justifiable, but you, I tell you, a person that lives for money can twist those loopholes and stretch them way beyond good reason. Let's don't even be thinking there. I tell you, friends, they're searing their conscience. They may have done it. They may be doing it five, ten years in a row. That doesn't make it right for me or you or anybody else. We don't want. It. We pay the government. We do what is right, and because we want to live honestly and openly before God. And say, Lord, I've done everything to glorify you. That's what I'm here for. I wouldn't try to beat the government out of anything because it's yours to begin with. I'm going to be giving it back all but anyhow. So why would I want to cheat the government? Why would I want to try to not listen to their standards and rules, even if we feel strongly that they're sometimes sort of unreasonable? And I'm sure I'm not the first one who thought that. But, you know, we, we comply because they're an authority. And it was given that authority by God above. By God above. We need to remember that. 
So we don't want to be that way. We want to, our conscience to be led by the Word of God. And it's important, it's well informed, but it is based on the Word of God. Paul spoke about this living openly and honestly, and he had trouble with that. And um, with that in the early part of his life, I'd like to read the 1 Timothy 1, where it speaks about this a little bit. And, and this can happen. I think it maybe does happen. And how we work through this is just critically important. 1 Timothy 1, verses 12 and 13. 1 Timothy 1, 12. And I think Christ Jesus, our Lord, also, who has enabled us, because he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry, although I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, an insolent man, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. And... Uh, in other words, he did not know the Word of God. He wasn't living by the Word of God. He didn't have a conscience that was based on the Word of God, so he got by with all kinds of wicked things. He did it ignorantly because of unbelief. It's important to have our conscience trained by and led by the Word of God. It's, it's terribly important. Now, one is critical, and I think all of us have probably come to this part of time in life when, you know, we thought something was all right and somebody said or we read and the scripture spoke to us and all of a sudden we got new light. Now, it wasn't any new light. It was just new light for us, okay? And it kind of <clears throat> it kind of hit us, however, and, you know, then there the battle's on. The battle was on. Right, I had to think of Acts 28. I'd like to read about Apollos in Acts 28. Acts 18, I am sorry, Acts 18, verse 24, where it talks about a man that received some of that and what he did with it. And it says that now a certain Jew named Apollos, Acts 18, 24, born of Alexander, an eloquent man and mighty in scriptures, came to Ephesus. Okay, he would claim to profess to know the scriptures. And this man had been instructed in the way of the Lord. And being fervent in spirit, spoke and taught accurately the things of the Lord, though he knew only the baptism of John, okay? It wasn't the New Testament. He did not understand the New Testament, how we are live in the spirit. Because the baptism of John was a baptism unto repentance. And Jesus had a complete gospel. So he began to speak boldly and said again, uh, so he began to speak boldly in the synagogue, when Aquila and Priscilla heard him say, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more perfectly. And when he, when he desired to cross to Achaia, the brethren wrote, exhorting the disciples to receive him. And when he arrived, he greatly helped those who had believed through grace. For he vigorously refuted the Jews publicly, showing Showing from the scriptures that Jesus is the Christ. Now, here's a man that thought he was affluent. And, you know, we, that's kind of the way we feel about ourselves. Uh, if we were read the Bible and, and, and we had some convictions and we had good parents. But, he, you know, he, did, he didn't have a complete understanding. And sometimes we, we find ourselves that way. And, you know, I firmly believe if he wouldn't have been receptive... To them expounding to him, 
His, his productivity in the kingdom would have diminished greatly. I really think so. But here he was a real blessing. He took on, he received the, the encouragement of the brethren. He received it. And guess what? He was a tremendous blessing. That's what we want to be. But you know why he was? Because even though he was zealous for the Lord, it wasn't with complete understanding. Do you know that most of us here today, at least I'm going to say for myself, I would be helped with more complete understanding. And if you can help me, do that. That's called brotherhood. That's called brotherhood. You know, we need to want to learn. We need to want to grow. And I praise God that can happen. It did happen for him. And God wants this to happen for us. Uh, we don't want to be incorrect in our belief. Yes, we want to do what God wants us to do because we want to have a good conscience and we want to be open before God. Titus 1. Titus 1 speaks also of another kind of conscience that Paul had to begin with for sure. Titus 1. Starting verse 15. Where it says, interesting words, but very true. To the pure, all things are pure. But to those who are defiled and unbelieving, nothing is pure. But even their mind and conscience are defiled. They profess to know God, but in works they deny him being abominable, disobedient, and disqualified. For every good work. And I tell you, I praise God that we don't have to have a defiled conscience. Uh, um, their consciences are defiled. And this is a bad bracket. I'm going to go to the, the, the positive one. And I tell you, friends, this is a challenge nowadays. To the pure, all things are pure. I like that thought. That means that by God's grace... I can have a pure mind in such a way that you can go through Harrisonburg and have a pure mind. You're not wanting to see anything impure. Don't you thank God for that? Because uh, the devil wants us to have a mind that is defiled. In other words, they're looking for things. They're looking for things to feed their flesh. And you see plenty of that. You don't have to go to Harrisonburg and price it. Around, around the country, too. But see, he's saying, look, if, if a person's mind is that way, yeah, you don't have to go to town, do you? You got the item in your hand. You got the item in your hand that tells what you like. Hmm. Now, we're talking about living honestly before God. We're talking about having a clear conscience that's priceless. If you don't have it, you don't have, you don't have the right fellowship with God. It's going. It's lost. It's on, the, it's, going on, it's on the way out. To the pure, all things are pure. Praise the Lord. Amen? Friends, that's where we're going to have to be. I'm telling you, that's where God wants us to be. And praise God we can be there, but it takes work. It takes, I'm going to be honest with you, know, it takes getting rid of all lustful desires. It takes that. But God's grace, friends, we can live there. We can live there. Because the other side is, 
if I'm not that kind and I'm just hankering for the next look to the defiled, nothing is pure. Their mind is corrupt. Friends, that's, that is chronic defeat. That more than makes you feel like corruption here. It defiles your relationship with Jesus. And that's most important. Let me tell you, there's a price to be paid. Oh, it's a terrible price to be paid here. You see, a defiled conscience. A defiled conscience. And you know, next thing you know, you know it's not right, and that old ball spinning, and you hardly even feel bad at all. Oh, I tell you, it's a terrible thing. Terrible thing. Spoken a little bit more of in Hebrews 10, 22 and 23. Hebrews 10, 22 and 23. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. I praise God. He said, we can have... We can have a faith in Jesus and a full assurance in him. And how you going to get clean water to clean you up? It's the word of God. It's the living water. It's the word of God. You go there and you're bathing in it and you're taking it in. You're repenting when that spirit speaks. You, you treasure living honestly and open. Like I tell you, so many people do so many things. To feel that void of God, and we can have it. We can have it. You know, we don't want that conscience that is seared, that works, that is moving, but doesn't affect us. But doesn't affect. We want that, you know. So here states the problem and states the solution. I believe in God. I, I know that he cares about my life. And he cares about your life. And he, I know he wants us to live righteously and holy. And he sees everything you do. He sees every attitude you have. He sees, sees everything you lust for. And desire. And he knows that. And he can help make us pure. To the pure, all things are pure. And we can be that way today. That's a tremendous blessing. I tell you, friends, it takes a tenacious, zealous walk with the Lord. If ever, and I know the battleground isn't that much different. The availability is different, though, I'll say. But the battleground is no different. But the availability is, and we can, we, but we can live righteously, honestly, before God and have a clear conscience. What a treasure. But we've got to be open to the word of God, and we've got to be open to our brethren. The brotherhood. And we thank God for both of them, can't we? Because we're enjoying them today. Yes, that's what God wants us to have. Now, living honestly, what peace and joy it brings. The only life worth living. The only life worth living. As it says in 1 Timothy 1, verse 5. Now, the end of the commandment is charity out of a pure heart and of a good conscience and of faith Unfeigned, not pretended, it's honest and real. Yes, that's the way it walks. That's the way a person lives. And you know what? Council meeting don't scare them. Because they didn't care if council meeting would have been a month ago. They look forward to it because they're living honestly and openly before God. Shall we pray? 
Gracious Father, we thank you that you're a wonderful God. Thank you that you have all the provisions for us to live in victory, to have your Holy Spirit with us. And Lord, you give us a conscience, and I'm so thankful for that. Lord, I thank you for each believer here this morning. And Lord, I thank you for their commitment to you. And Lord, as we look at this time of council meeting, Lord, I just pray that we'll be open and honest in everything we say and do. Lord, that we can live pleasing to you. We can be a, a blessing in your kingdom. We can be a blessing to your brotherhood. Because, Lord, we want our life to be one that glorifies you. And there's no other way to glorify you than to get our wills submitted to yours. We thank you that you give us the, the power to live victorious in this day and age. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.